Okay. Uh, no, I, I like getting in here to be able to speak to adults occasionally. Um, because if you don't know who I am, my name is Chad Dillon. I am the middle school pastor here at Chapel Rock. I've been here almost six years, which is pretty cool. Uh, love getting to work with the middle school students here. Um, that specifically is fifth through eighth grade for our students. And uh, if you are a teacher or if you have ever worked with that age group, uh, some of you might be like, are you crazy? Maybe a little bit. Uh, but I truly believe, and if you've worked with these students, you know what I'm talking about. These are literally the coolest people on the planet. Uh, fifth through eighth grade is, yeah. Uh, so they are, they are a blast to, to do stuff with and to teach and to hang out with. I've got a lot of them in here, so I'm making some really good brownie points today uh, for saying these things. Yeah, they, now they're going to start clapping. Um, no, but... Honestly, like what our goal is with our middle school programming is to take these kids from where they're borrowing their parents' faith and having moving them to a place to where it's their own. Okay, uh, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. When you were a lot younger, you would get on a bicycle, you'd have training wheels, or you would have somebody that was holding onto the bike running beside you uh, for a while. And we're moving those kids from those training wheels to where they're riding those bikes on their own. And uh, it's a really cool thing that we get to see from uh, the process of those kids coming in as fifth graders. And then when, they, when we move them on to high school after their eighth grade year, this, what they've done in, in that time. So uh, if you're interested in that, please let me know. You know, I mean, it's not a commercial, but uh, if I need to make it one, I will. It's okay. Um, but we're always looking for people who really like to hang out with middle schoolers and help out. And so if you want to know more about that, please let me know. I'd love to share that with you as well. Um, we are in the middle of a series called uh, Superpowered. And uh, it's, like John said, it's covering this idea of superheroes. But we're looking at these superheroes in connection with the spiritual gift. And um, if you have missed any of these, please go to our website, chapelrock.org and check those out. They're very good. Um, one thing that I am loving about this series is how Casey, um, like, okay, Casey's not here so I can talk about him. Um, <laughs> don't tell him, okay? Uh, Casey loves this stuff so much. Um, when all the movies start coming out and everything, uh, we kind of have a goal in our staff meetings. We try to get him to talk about this stuff as much as we can. It's almost like a game anymore, but don't tell him that because then the game will be over, okay? Uh, but uh, I love how much he's into this and, and because uh, I love to see Casey taking this that he loves so much and using it to share something he loves more than anything else, and that's Jesus. And he's doing that through this series, and uh, that is, I love seeing that. I love seeing his passion with that. Um, and all we're doing with it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm excited about being able to share this with you today because I get to share with you about one of the most popular superheroes of all time. Um, maybe second to Captain America, okay? Uh, but that's Iron Man today. And if uh, some of you are Iron Man fans, some of you are Captain America fans, I know when Civil War came out, there was a big like, Team Cap, you know, and I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, just to clarify, I am not like Casey. I'm watching the movies, like I, I still haven't seen Endgame. Um, I know, I, I know. My students are like, what? 
why do you hate the world? And it's like, settle down. I don't. Settle down, you know. But I'm going through the movies in a good orderly fashion of timeline, okay? So, uh, but I do know enough about Captain America and Iron Man um, to make this work for you guys today. Um, so we're going to deal with, like, just the movie Iron Man because I don't know comic book Iron Man, all right? Um, so I'm going to deal with movie Iron Man today. And so we're going to look at him a little bit. And if you don't know who Iron Man was, uh, he is the uh, billionaire Tony Stark, okay? And Tony Stark, um, he had uh, this really crazy, like, life change moment happen. You see, Tony Stark was, uh, or is, owner of Stark Industries. Uh, and they make weapons, right? Um, Tony is an extremely, um, I think the best way to say this is that he has an ego to match the size of his wallet, okay? Um, when most people are like trying to keep quiet who they are, he's like, look, I'm Iron Man, get over it. You know, like, he just tells people that. And so he has this uh, experience, I don't want to give any spoilers, even though this movie I have seen, and it's like 10 years old. Uh, he has this experience where he is, uh, he realizes that his weapons are being used uh, and sold on the black market, used against innocent people, innocent lives. And it just changes who he is, and that's where Iron Man is birthed. He, become, he starts taking his own knowledge, uh, which is one cool thing about him. He's not like, you know, Thor or Captain America or all these guys that have these, like, superpowers because of something that's happened to them or something they are. Tony Stark is just really smart, okay, which I guess that could be looked at as a superpower. Uh, but he creates this suit that helps him become stronger and, and, and be able to fly, which is pretty cool, uh, and have all this, these tools and everything available to him. And so he uses this suit, has different like versions of it, which is really cool. The different ones do different things. And he uses that suit to, to, to make him who he becomes. But another thing he does is he takes under his wing a young Peter Parker, or better known as Spider-Man, yes. Uh, and he takes him under his wing, and he uh, starts training him and teaching him and equipping him in what it means to be a superhero. Uh, he equips him by uh, giving him a suit, uh, by uh, helping him learn, and, but he also is teaching him what it means like from a very different aspect of when it's willing and good to put people into uh, danger and things like that and what you should really do. And so I have a video clip I want to show you this morning just to help you see a little bit more of this Tony Stark kind of like training Peter Parker in becoming Spider-Man. And so watch this clip. Is everyone okay? No thanks to you. No thanks to me. Those weapons were out there and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me. <laughs> if you even cared, you'd actually be here. I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. 
And if you died, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes, sir. I'm yes. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. I understand. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Okay, it's not working out. I'm gonna need the suit back. For how long? Forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's No, no, works. no, please, please, please. Let's just, have like, it. You don't understand. Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it, okay? Gotta sound like my dad. <laughs> my guess is that all of us have been on one side or the other of that conversation before. And uh, for Tony Stark, he is helping Peter Parker see the way that he should go equipping him and training him in that. And so this morning, we're going to look at the spiritual gift of teaching and equipping. And uh, there's something cool about this spiritual gift that I think that, uh, that I think all of you will appreciate that we'll get into in a minute. Um, but before we do that, let's look at the big idea this morning. Uh, our church wins when we teach and equip others to win. Won't you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this morning and the ability that we have to be here to be able to worship freely, to be able to praise you, uh, but God, also to listen and learn from you. Lord, I pray this morning that you speak, that uh, your spirit moves in this place, God, that through what we hear and uh, what we listen, how we listen to you, God, that you change our lives and our relationship becomes closer uh, to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I need you to do is go ahead. We're going to have a scripture. The main scripture will be on the screen, but we're going to deal with another scripture passage this morning that you're going to need to look up, okay? So go ahead and get your Bibles out. Uh, I don't care if it's a paper Bible or a digital Bible. Um, you know, just get one out. You should always bring your Bibles to church, right? You've heard it before. You should never go to math class without a math book. And then my kids are like, oh, my math book's on my computer. All right. Okay, well, you know what I mean, right? right? Just, so make sure you have your Bibles. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts chapter 8 this morning, starting at verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to read through this, talk about this verse, and i got a few things I want to share about it. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of, of the uh, Kendaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, uh, before we go any farther, I want to just clarify a couple things with this that I think are important to this verse, okay? Um, first of all, uh, I gotta be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very PG with this, okay, parents, so don't hang out with me, but you might have some stuff to explain later, okay? Sorry. Uh, but the Ethiopian was a eunuch, and this is important in this verse, because for him to go to Jerusalem to worship, he would not have been allowed into the temple to worship. Not because he was Ethiopian, okay, but because he was a eunuch. All right, because he was altered, was different physically. So he would not have been allowed to go into the temple to worship, yet he still went there. Uh, this would be what they would call a, a God-fearing Gentile. All right, somebody who feared God, somebody who uh, loved God and wanted to do what God wanted them to do. 
but in every sense of the Jewish religion would not have been accepted in because he was not able to do things that were required to become a Jewish person or to become a Jewish believer. Okay? And so yet he was still there going to this temple to worship. We know that he had a desire to follow God because of what he was doing. And he was reading the book of Isaiah, which is really interesting because there's a passage in Isaiah that I imagine this Ethiopian knew by heart. It was a passage that he, he probably treasured, and we're going to read that right now. It comes from Isaiah chapter 56. Uh, and uh, just write that down. You can look it up later if you want or look it up now, whatever you want. Isaiah 56, 3 through 5, it says this. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And my guess is that Ethiopian eunuch knew that verse by heart. That he cherished that verse. That it was a verse that he held closely to him. Reality is we do the same thing, isn't it? We grab a hold of verses that God gives us in times where we're struggling and we hold on to those verses and it's, it's like God whispering to us saying, hey, read this, like know this, remember this as you go through this tough time. The cool thing for the Ethiopian here though is he is getting ready to see this verse come to promise. He is getting ready to see this verse come to promise through Jesus. Let's keep reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up or to come up and sit with him. Now, this must have been an interesting sight for Philip, okay? I want you to understand, too, that this Ethiopian was a, a pretty high-ranking official in the government. And so he would not have been by himself just, like, hanging out, right? Like, riding on a, a single horse, going back, or donkey, or whatever, camel. Um, he wouldn't have been doing that. He would have had a whole caravan of people with him, people to take care of his needs, to uh, to to... To, to drive his chariot, other chariots to help protect him, all those different things. And so this would have been a, uh, a pretty big sight to see because these wouldn't have just been, you know, uh, this would have been like the Mercedes Benz of chariots back then, I'm sure. Nice and decorated, you know, uh, very special. Like this would have been an interesting sight to see. And then for Philip to hear this guy reading the book of Isaiah must have been really unique for him. And so uh, Philip is told by the Spirit, go to the chariot and stay near it. And so that is also an interesting thing. Like Philip would have had to kind of been jogging beside the chariot to hear what was going on, right? So you have this exotic chariot going by, and, and I'm just picturing this in my mind, this exotic chariot going by, and then this, this, uh, this Israelite running by the chariot, you know, maybe having to hold up his cloak a little bit so he doesn't trip on it while he's running, and he's just kind of like jogging there listening, you know, uh, to what's being said by the, uh, the Ethiopian. 
So he was reading the book of Isaiah, and uh, he was reading it out loud as well, the scripture tells us. The reason he was doing that was because it was something that, and we do this today too, when you don't understand something, we tend to read it out loud, don't we, to help us understand it. We tend to, to read it out loud so we can hear it and understand it better. Uh, it's no different than when you go and you buy, you know, you, you go to Ikea, right? And you buy those, uh, buy some something, you bring it home, you open it up, and you got a thousand pieces that you got to figure out how they all go together now, right? And if, um, you know, if, well, most men at that point will throw directions in the trash, and, um, but we also know that we all go back and get them 20 minutes later because we really don't know what we're doing. But what do we do? We look at the pictures, we read the words out loud because it's like, uh, when you read it out loud, it helps us to understand what we're reading. We tend to slow down when we read out loud. Uh, we tend to focus better. Uh, if you're anything like me, sometimes you're reading something and you're not reading it out loud and you've read three paragraphs and you're like, what did I just read? Because I was thinking about something different. And you got to go back and read it again. Reading out loud is a very beneficial way for you and for us to, to understand what we're trying to learn. And so the Ethiopian was doing this. He was reading it out loud. And so Philip heard this and he says do you know what you're reading and the Ethiopian's like no like I need somebody to explain it to me come up here and do that and so Philip gets in the chariot and here's uh, what he was reading verse 32 this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotosis and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I don't know about you, but that is an incredible conversion story. An incredible story where the Ethiopian got to hear Philip explain the scriptures to, 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 for him to understand them and then for him to understand what it meant about Jesus, to see what God was talking about in Isaiah about a name better than being called Son of God. And the Ethiopian learns that, understands that. You know, I do wonder a little bit when the Ethiopian went to Jerusalem, were they talking about Jesus still? Would the Ethiopian heard about stories about this man named Jesus or what he claimed to be or, uh, you know, the crucifixion, uh, him, him disappearing from the grave? Like, would he have heard those things? I don't know, but, uh, we, and we don't know, but it would have been interesting to know whether he heard those things or not to, to, to better understand what he understood when Philip was teaching him. But the result is this, this Ethiopian, through what Philip taught him, through what Philip helped him understand with Scripture, became a believer. 
And, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about today. I think this, Philip, or this story with Philip can help us understand what this spiritual gift of teaching and equipping is. Let me clarify something here real quick, too. I think uh, all the spiritual gifts that we're talking about, I think we all can and do a lot of those things, uh, uh, even though that we may not have a spiritual gift for it. I think where it changes is when somebody has a spiritual gift for it, it comes naturally to them. Where, you know, like teaching, we all have people that we know that teach that we're like, man, they're a natural teacher. That would be the spiritual gift aspect of it. But just because maybe you feel like you're not a natural teacher doesn't mean you get off the hook to be able to teach. Like we're all called to do this when Jesus tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. We're all called to teach and equip others about who Jesus is. And so I think there are three things that we can see in this verse that will help us kind of do that and develop that spiritual gift in our life, okay? So let's look at those uh, three things this morning. First, we need to know God's word. Interesting enough, Philip was running beside this chariot and he knew that God, that the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah. And the only way he knows that is by reading and studying the scripture. Uh, we tell our students this a lot. I mean, I, I preach this to our students. You've got to know God's word, okay? And um, I'm going to tell you the secret to this right now on how to do this, okay? It's a secret. I'm not sure if Casey's ever shared this. Uh, I'm not sure if Fred's ever shared this before. So super secret. It's going to blow your mind, all right? So just be ready. Are you ready? The secret to knowing God's word is reading it. Yes. I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm joking about that, but the reality is we have this incredible gift right here. We have this incredible gift to be able to carry scripture around with us. Or even our phone, be able to have that app on our phone and be able to read not just the NIV version, but I want to read the message. It's there. I want to read the new, li like to have all those versions right there. It's incredible. And sometimes I think we take it for granted. And listen, I'm not just looking at you going, shame on you. Because there are days where it's hard for me to read this too. But we need to be reading God's word. We need to understand it. We need to know it. And I think to do that, though, I think we've got to make some adjustments, too. First of all, when you're reading God's word, slow down. There's nothing out there that says, if you don't read five chapters today, you are not a good Christian. This isn't school. This book isn't due by the end, by the end of day Thursday. Like, slow down. Understand what you're reading. If there's a scripture passage that sticks out to you, stop and just reread it. Write it down. Memorize it. Meditate on it. That word meditate in the, in the Hebrew means to utter it. To continually utter it. To continually repeat it. I like the word ruminate. To allow to chew on that, you know, if you know where that word comes from or not. Um, cows, when you you know you drive down the road, and you're like, oh look, cows, and they're all chewing. That's what you guys do. I know it is. Like, oh look, cows, um, especially in Indiana. 
But they're chewing, right? They're always chewing. That's because they're chewing on their cud. Now, I don't want to go into too many gory details, but they're literally throwing up food and re-chewing it. Okay? Hopefully none of us do that at the dinner table. All right? That would be bad. But when we're chewing on God's Word, we're constantly thinking about it. We're constantly processing it. We're constantly think or reading through it. It's a part of who we are. It becomes part of who we are. This is this idea of teaching from the overflow. Okay? Uh, I don't remember what professor shared this with us, but it's this idea of teaching from the overflow. Let me give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at preaching real quick. Uh, this is more for, like, Casey and Fred, um, because they have to do this so much more than I do in this space. Um, I will do this with middle school, and some of our middle schoolers know that sometimes I can go down some rabbit holes with them that are a little deep and interesting. I think they're interesting anyway. Um, until they start glazing over, then I got to go back to something else. Um, but, you know, when Fred and Casey and whoever's preaching, they do a lot of research on the passages that they're using. So much that they're not even sharing with you all that they're learning. Uh, you know, uh, Casey, for instance, is like, he is so into Greek and Hebrew word studies, it's not even funny. There have been times I've been asking questions and he's pulled up his computer program and he's got all these windows open and monitors and he's like, look at this and this and this and this. And I'm like, I'm not sure what's happening, but it's cool. <laughs> and he just keeps going down these holes of like understanding these words even more to the point where he understands that word and, that, and how it's being used in that scripture so well. So when he stands up here, he can tell you that. But he doesn't tell you in 30 minutes, he tells you in three seconds. Well, maybe 10 seconds. But the idea is teaching from the overflow. And you need to do that as well. You need to go God's word well enough that you can teach from the overflow. And some of that overflow, too, is how the Spirit speaks to us. And that's the second part. We need to listen to the Spirit. We need to listen to the Spirit. Not only did God give us this incredible gift with the Bible, but he gave us an incredible gift with the Holy Spirit as well. This, this voice in our heads and our hearts teaching us, telling us what to do. You know, um, it's incredible to me when uh, you have like little kids playing, you know, and mom is in there and, you know, maybe it's like a small group or a life group and all the kids are in the other room and they're screaming, yelling, yeah, yeah, having fun. And next thing you know, one kid screams really loud, right? And a mom can stop and go, Oh, nope, they're, they're just having fun. It's okay. Or go, nope, somebody's hurt. i got to run in there. They can determine the difference between the screen because they know their child's voice. The way we can hear the Spirit talking to us is by knowing His voice. And the way we do that, again, is through growing our relationship with Christ. You see, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a checklist or anything like that. It's about a relationship. And when we grow that relationship, we hear the Spirit. We know what the Spirit's saying to us because we know who God is in that relationship. Philip did that. The Spirit said, go do this. Go, go to this road and then go stand by that chariot. Stay near it. And what did Philip do? He went to that road and went to the, the, the chariot and stayed near it. We need to listen to the Spirit 
The, the third thing we need to do is this. We need to be willing to step into the chariot. Reality is, for some of us, teaching and equipping is not easy. We are nervous. We're nervous we might say something wrong. We're nervous we might not know enough. We're nervous uh, about the situation. Maybe it feels a little awkward to us. Whatever it might be. Philip did that. He, he went to this guy who was racially, economically, and socially very, very different than Philip was. And he still walked into that situation. And you know what? We need to do that too. We need to do that too. You may be sitting there and be like, well, this is great for somebody else, but this isn't for me. But I'm telling you, God doesn't give us, <laughs> doesn't give us this one off, right? He calls us to be disciple makers. And to be disciple makers, we've got to be able to equip and teach others. And one of the ways we do that here at Chapel Rock is um, through Rooted. And I know a lot of you have been through Rooted. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that. We have an opportunity this morning to invite uh, Ginger and Jason uh, Witty up on stage to talk to them a little bit about their Rooted experience and how God has worked in that for them. Uh, because they're in a little bit maybe unique situation with that than some of us are because um, when they went into Rooted, they didn't necessarily know a ton of people here. And so we're just going to ask them some questions and talk with them about that this morning. So thank you again for being with us this morning and coming up and sharing this. Um, first of all, just like share us a little bit like what caused you guys to sign up for Rooted. Well, we had uh, moved into the area recently last fall, and we started attending Chapel Rock. And uh, our previous church, we had been members of a life group for five or six years, and it was so beneficial to our uh, walk in the Lord. And we just wanted to emulate that in this church, get involved. And part of that was getting into a life group. And so we kind of signed up for Rudy to start that first step. I'll just agree with that. Um, the life group that we had in the church that we were at before, we were with that group for five or six years and very close to that group. And for me personally, just spiritually, that was really the only way, or I won't say the only way, but it was a very important way that we, we grew throughout that time period, and I didn't want to lose that with a new church. Yeah. Um, so you guys signed up for Rooted. You're pretty new to the church. Um, maybe don't know a ton of people. Um, so it's kind of like two parts here with this question. Did you, how was that going into a group of people maybe you didn't fully know or know very well, but also like through that process, how did God like direct your walk? How, how did you grow closer to him through that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I was a little bit nervous about being a, in a new community and a new group of people, uh, but what I slowly found out was that although all the people in this group that I was in were so different than Ginger and I, but yet our walk with the Lord was very similar. The, the wisdom that they shared was the same wisdom that the Spirit spoke to me, and it was such an amazing experience just to know that we all truly are brothers and sisters. Um, I'll say as far as going into the experience, especially when I learned a little bit more about Rooted and how it worked, um, I was not really excited about it at all. Um, I tend to be a very guarded person and going to a group of 12 of us or so and I didn't know any of them and I'm going to start sharing, you know, some of my deepest thoughts and secrets and whatnot. 
Um, you know, I really was not excited about that at all, but, um, you know, it, it did work out. I feel like as a group, while, as Jason said, you know, we have a variety of people there, um, we did get close pretty quickly and um, everyone started sharing relatively soon, which was a little bit surprising and off-putting to me, but it's something that really ended up working out well. So with that, like, I mean, I imagine there are some people here still that are just like, I'm nervous about this, I'm not sure, maybe it's the time commitment, maybe it's, you know, the, the idea of not knowing anybody in a group or whatever it might be, like, why do you think it's important for someone to uh, go through Rooted? Um, two reasons. Uh, one is that community is important. Um, there's a lot of things in Rooted that, um, you know, that we experience, experience in our life group in our previous church is that it's important to be in a, in a community of believers as a whole like this and also as a small group. And, um, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but not all of Rooted's uh, content was brand new to me. But there was a lot of things in there that I did learn and that uh, I am stronger for and I'm, I'm glad I went. And I'll, I'll agree with a, a lot of that. I mean, I think if you feel like you're thinking about doing it, you should definitely do it for no other reason to get with the community. And um, I'll also agree with what Jason said as far as there are things that I picked up from that, experiences with the, the prayer experience. And um, even with that, we did some fasting, which I had never done at all before. Um, and that was something that I really enjoyed, some of the journaling. So there's a lot of new things in there that I really took from it, and um, it helped me to grow in my, my walk and my faith. So we're getting ready to do another series of Rooted coming up real soon. And so you guys, if you uh, are willing to like listen to the Spirit and take that step, uh, maybe it's a little awkward at the beginning, okay? But that's one reason why I last for 12 weeks is because hopefully you get past that awkwardness uh, and really start to grow, like Jason and Ginger mentioned, uh, with your group. Please make sure you go out and sign up for that. Um, and also, the kickoff this year for it um, on August 4th is also going to be a Rooted Reunion Night. So if you've been through Rooted with a group, we're, we're really encouraging you to come back that night and be a part of that kickoff with those new people who are getting ready to go through that as well. Okay, so we just want to encourage you with that. Like, that's one way for you to kind of take that step into the chariot like Philip did, is to go into the something like Rooted if you've never done that before. Because not only does it help you grow as a Christian, but it starts equipping you to be able to teach others as well. So uh, make sure you do that out in the foyer today. Uh, Ginger, Jason, thank you so much for being part of this this morning. You know, God is leading all of us in incredible ways, and, um, you know, this is one of those things, though, that I think, even if it's not in a uh, group capacity, there are people that you're teaching and training. You see, our church wins when we teach and equip others to win. We're going to do a time of invitation now, but because the best part of this story is not what Philip did, but what God did through Philip for the Ethiopian. You see, through this story, we see this Ethiopian become a Christian, become a Christ follower in a way that he never thought he could. He grabbed a hold of that verse in Isaiah and, and, and cherished it and got to see that promise come to life. And the reality is, you have that ability today too. 
If you have never accepted Christ, if you have never given Him your life, I want to encourage you this morning to do that. To come forward and we'll have people up here to be able to walk uh, through that with you. But know that God is like ready for you to come make that decision. And the other thing is sometimes we just go through tough times in life and we need people to pray for us. And if you're that too, I encourage you to come up and allow one of our pastors or one of our elders or one of our decision counselors to come up and pray with you. Look, there are times when you're just in tough situations that you're sitting there and you're like, God, where are you? Why are you not helping me with this? And I want you to know this. I want to encourage you with these words. Know that even though sometimes we don't feel like God is right there in the trench with us, I promise you he is because God's going, look, I've given you something greater. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm working with you, but I'm also here and I saved your soul. I gave my son for you. And so when we're in those tough times, know that God has done greater than we could ever ask for in those times by saving our soul. And so if you need to make one of those decisions, you just need some prayer or you need to know who Jesus is and, and, and accept him with your life, we're going to open that up this morning as we sing this song. So why don't you stand and sing with us this morning?